welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 46. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Well, hey, Greg, we've been away for a little bit of a while. Uh, it's been summer and we've been a bit busy because, yay, we shipped. Visual Studio 2012 is now out the door. Yeah, and not only shipped, but available for download. That's the key. RTM, uh, who cares about RTM? But when it's RTW, when it's released to the web and we can get it, that's the big news, at least for uh, people like me. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Have you got it downloaded? Have you got it installed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got Windows 8 installed on a couple of machines. I actually did a win, uh, an in-place upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 8, and I put uh, Visual Studio 2012 on uh, both of these machines on a regular notebook and a touch, uh, one of those PDC Acers. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've got it everywhere. I'm loving it. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've got the office preview because otherwise, uh, you know, I, in a few short months, I've gone from running preview everything. I was running preview Eclipse on a preview window there to preview Visual Studio against a preview TFS server. And I've gone from that to like RTM everything in, in, in the space of a few weeks. It's quite disappointing. So. <laughs> office came along and saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> A completely RTM desktop, that'd be no good at all, would it? Yeah, really. So one of the things I wanted to do in the show, Martin, was to uh, kind of put you on the spot. Uh, I, I think our listeners know that um, you, know, you used to work outside of Microsoft, uh, and uh, Microsoft uh, acquired the assets from your company. You joined them as a full-time employee. And this one, when did, uh, when did you join them? I joined Microsoft in November 2009. Okay. So, yeah, the... the and, you know, we shipped um, 2010, in, I think it was about April, was it, 2010? I'm trying to remember now. It was around about then. So I got to see the back end of the 2010. I mean, I've been in close involved with every release from, you know, as a partner mm-hmm. uh, and, and an MVP. But it was really, um, I got to see the back end of the 2010 release, which is obviously... As we're finishing up the, you know, the release of one, where we start work on the release of the next right so um yeah so we've been you know so i got to see that kind of transition and then you know the full steam ahead on on dev 11 as we called it mm-hmm. um the 2012 and yeah got to see the whole whole push through that and then finally shipping it out the door so that's quite nice it's quite nice to do a full end-to-end release i enjoyed it right that's one of the things i wanted to talk about today is that uh uh, uh, a view from the inside, the road to RTM from start to finish. You know, this is this 2012 was your first, you know, begin to end kind of release. And, and you know, from somebody on the outside like me, who's who's not an MVP or or anything, just a line of business developer who's always looking at this big thing that's Microsoft. And it looks, in many cases, especially with this release, more of a black box. You know, we didn't see as much of the. Uh, the the day to day details. So I'd be really interested just to hear, you know, from somebody on the inside those things that you can tell us without getting fired or anything because that would kind of stink. Um, what was it like? Was it was it easy? Is it like oh, I just check the bits in and and we go? Was it an administrative nightmare? And you know, you hate everybody and you never want to do it again. What, what was it like? Wow, let's see. What should we <laughs> and if you can summarize that in you know five minutes, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's no news to talk about. <laughs> um, wow, yeah, it's it's certainly been a, you know certainly shipping any products an emotional journey, and anyone that um, that ships stuff for a living knows um, knows the the roller coaster 
that is shipping things. You know, you you start off thinking you've got, you know, thinking, oh my goodness, it's ages before we ship again. I want to ship this stuff now, you know, and then and then all of a sudden, ship dates rapidly approaching, and you're thinking, oh no, you know, we've got to cut, cut features, or we've got, you know, I've got to get these bugs checked in tonight, otherwise, you know, otherwise. It's, it won't. They won't get checked in ever. Um, uh, you know, for for a certain, you know, for a few weeks at least before customers actually get it installed. And you know, oh, I really want this in RTM. I better better work hard just to get it in the door, kind of. So, um, yeah, that's definitely emotional. And once it's out the door as well, is an interesting time because you think you found all the horrible bugs that were lurking. You think you've, you know, you think you've done all the testing you possibly can do. You you, you and you, you know, you've made like we made some fundamental changes to the way you have to think about TFS this time around. Right. Things like local workspaces. Um, well, it's you know you can sum it up to people saying, "Hey, there's no more, there's no more read-only bit done. Kind of move on." But things like doing that, the reason why we did that, and then how the solution actually ended up, um, and and then how it was delivered, and then you know the rough edges that were taken off it. That things like that really change how your mental model of a product um and when you use when as an outsider when i was using the software on an mvp kind of um you you're always thinking about the product as you know that's the way it works how how do i explain the way it works how do i understand the way it works you know right. you, you build up this mental model of a product whereas when you're actually working on the software you're more thinking uh well you know this is the this is the way that people understand the software and the way people are using it um and that leads to certain broken practices mm-hmm. how do we change how the software guides you so that you don't you know so that you fall into a pit of success rather than a pit of pain right. and all stuff so um it, it's interesting how much i think differently about tfs one of the things that's very one of the things that's been slightly alarming to me is i um is how much more specialised I am in my knowledge of TFS. Well, as an MVP and um, a, a partner, I would have a I had a much broader knowledge of the whole of TFS. Writing the TFS 2010 book was a lot easier for me than being involved in the TFS 2012 book because um, it, it's very hard to see the the big picture. You know, this is why I like doing these chats with you because it helps me. Um, and the listeners listening into them because it it helps me think about the big picture a lot more again, you know, and, and think about things in perspective a lot more because I'm down on the details of like, ah, oh, I wish we could have, you know, why did we, I wish we could make the TF ignore syntax work this particular way, <laughs> you know. Oh, um, we must add .ds store to the TF <laughs> default exclusions. That's essential. And then, you know, you get you get involved in all these details. By the way, DS store is like a a, a a file that only is only on the Mac operating system that you never want to check into a version control tool. Yep. And and then TFS um, by default we ignore that um, on the Mac. And no, a well, version control system does that. You have to you have to explicitly do that. So there you go. In that way, TFS is actually more cross-platform friendly on the Mac than, the, than any open source operating systems. But anyway, than op- open source version control systems. So, anywho, um, yeah. So that was probably interesting. Uh, it was interesting to me how early the planning happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to me, like you know, it was happening while I was still trying to get because TE always runs a bit 
Um, we we have to run a bit behind the server because we have to wait for the server to stabilize before we can go do we can go write the client feature right. for it. But then, um, but the 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 downside of that is um, we're, we're always you know we're always sort of rushing to get it done kind of thing at towards the end. Um, and especially when we came into the company back in November 2009, we had a bunch of stuff to do just to like make it a Microsoft product. You know, we had to do all the security testing and then a bunch of work because we found a bunch of security problems. <laughs> when we did all and, uh, and um, you know, a bunch of like quality stuff, making sure, you know, it adheres to the, stand- the standards that Microsoft need so that they can support a product for 10 years and things. So, um, yeah, it was that, we had a lot of work to do there. And just changing the name like and change, putting in EULAs for Microsoft, you know, all that stuff just takes a long time. And that that, that stuff was all happening while we're also trying to get, get the new build features baked in for 2010 and get the new, you know, all that stuff happening for 2010. So that was that was quite stressful, getting that out the door. And then... And then um, Local workspaces for Team Explorer Everywhere was probably our biggest feature mm-hmm. of TFS 2012 that we had to do. Uh, and the most gratifying thing was the way that became a collaboration between the version control team and the Team Explorer Everywhere team and the fundamental design for local workspaces. Mm-hmm probably ended up completely, well, it definitely ended up completely differently than the implementation it would have had if Microsoft hadn't have owned the cross-platform client ah, problem. That's interesting. Mm, because it it was, you know, I'm not saying it would have definitely done, but um, it probably would have ended up as like, you know, some sort of uh, SQL database. You had, you know, in-memory SQL database you had locally and some stuff like that. And, and like the, the way you ignore files, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been as important to just a Visual Studio solution. And um, the way... Some of those sorts of things just wouldn't have been. It just would have been implemented completely differently. But because because we needed to support the cross-platform clients, we ended up having. You know, we ended up going with a, a flat file system-based format, and you know, one that could be parsed by different systems. We ended up having locks that could be shared between different types of processes, and there was just a bunch a bunch of stuff that affected how it was delivered. The same is true with the admin tools. You know, right. or the administration functionality moving over to the web. Again, that was heavily influenced because of the fact that we own the cross-platform problem now. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Interesting point. You know, so it added a different perspective, or not, you know, kind of forced a different perspective on that. That's yeah, because it's, it's yeah. I mean, as a part, yeah. So, and, and I think that's a it, it was a perspective for the good of the product. Right. You know, we've all, you know it definitely yeah because doing it that way makes it more open in other ways as well so no i think it's it's all goodness it was just interesting that things like that happen and then um well, i'm trying to think if i learn anything new about the way microsoft runs i was surprised at how um it's surprising how uh how much microsoft listen you know as an outsider you you kind of you complain to microsoft <laughs> and things would change and you know i'm i feel bad because sometimes it it can it felt to me as a partner, and you know it can feel as a customer sometimes you you feel like you're complaining and God, do these guys just not get it? I'm telling them, and it never changes what's going on, you know. And it's surprising. Um, it was surprising on the inside how much actually they do hear and understand and get it, and a, a, a balancing lots of different competing requirements, yeah. you know, so different competing things. And um, one of the uh, sort of lead PMs 
in uh, Visual Studio is a lady called uh, Tracy, Tracy Turin, and she, one of her, she likes Oprah, I think, or something. One of her things is, you know, if you if you lie to yourself, who can you trust kind of thing? Uh-huh. And uh, um, they're very much try not to lie to themselves, uh, try to see the world actually as it is, um, and try to get out of, you know, the bubble around Redmond and talk to people and and you'd be surprised how perceptive they are of the market the product and people's reactions to it and how things should be and then it's how do we get from here to there you know it's it's interesting how much they actually understand uh how much they understand their own faults to the extent that they also they also um it's very easy not to see how good things are as well you know like We've been using the agile planning stuff inside the company now for nearly two years. <laughs> so when when we ship the agile planning stuff, we kind of forget. Like sometimes we can forget to talk about. <laughs> I've been using that for ages. Like some of the changes to the build system, we've been using that. That was actually done before we shipped RTM, you know, of 2010. And so we're like, we've got all this stuff that we kind of we did ages ago, and because we dog food it all, we've been using for literally years. We kind of forget that it's new and. And forget all the stuff that that people really, really love because people never, never complain to us about that. Right. <laughs> so we don't, we don't hear. Wow, that's great! You know, <laughs> I, we nailed that. When you know you've got something right, when it's totally transparent, when it's completely invisible, you know you've nailed the solution. Then right. you know, means but yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to know? I, that's probably uh, no. That was pretty good. I, I, can you? Are you guys uh, taking a break? All you know, heading off to Hawaii for a few months, or, or you know, are is there already talks about you know V next? Yeah, I mean, with the talks about V next rapidly begin when you realize V now is is looming, and you're not going to get this thing in. That you <laughs> so V next is something he's dangling in front of you anyway, just to make sure you actually ship V now because right. you know. Going V next. Well, the good thing is, and uh, Jason, Xander, and Soma, and, and Brian have been very um, clear that uh, we, you might have noticed TFS preview. If you look at TFS preview, it's actually some stuff on it that's not in the RTM product of TFS. Um, we're carrying on working with TFS preview all the time, and what we are doing is shipping, going to be shipping updates to the um, on-premise version of TFS so that. You, can, you know, and Visual Studio stuff, so you can you can get updates as you go along. Um, it's you know not going to be another two years before you get you know very good updates to your product that you're using. And so yeah, so actually it's probably normally there is a bit of downtime, and we would have to, in a normal Microsoft release. Well, in, in the old in days gone by, we would have had this period called MQ milestone quality. I think it okay. is. Where um, people would do some like you know all the you like oh this build system's got a bit creaky we could really do the with doing right, these engines right the, the, like the R and D phase the yeah 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 the cleanup phase yeah a chunk of that time after a race, um, where people are doing MQ work we haven't had one of those we're just cranking <laughs> <laughs> so, which is challenging right so, fit in MQ alongside usual sprint cadences and you know we're still going to be sh- doing three week sprints we're still going to be shipping potentially you know um shippable stuff internally anyway at least every three weeks and yeah so we're keeping on cranking this time around i mean people people had booked uh, i mean i had vacation in july and august and people had booked july and august is traditionally um 
a vacation hotspot period for Microsoft because uh, that's when our fiscal year starts and so all the sales guys take kind of July and August off because they've, they've made their targets and now they've got <laughs> where they have to worry about it so they all go on a holiday lots of people went on holiday on engineering side as well because we'd, we'd basically finished and we were just trying to get out of the door you know so yeah, so we took some took some people. Some did take some holiday, but uh, this time round, it's not the same kind of relaxation we've had in the past. We're kind of keeping on cranking. So um, I'm hoping to see some some really good stuff, you know, soon. And uh, you know, we've got some news in the show. Some right. some things that have all been working on since we RTM'd. Uh, we're already releasing, so it's good stuff. Great. But let's talk about RTM a bit. So um, if, if you want to get up to speed uh, with what is in RTM, we've got some resources here to go through. Uh, probably um, a good thing to talk about is the uh, the launch event, the virtual launch event that's happening. So um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash event, that'll take you to a site where you can register. We're doing a, an online virtual launch event. I'll be, I'll be watching online from a conference room in Copenhagen, funnily enough. Wow. Uh, because I'm, I'm doing a, a customer event uh, in Copenhagen that day, and then I'm going to be uh, in the evening. I'm going to be sitting back and relaxing, maybe a glass of wine, and, uh, and follow along with the virtual launch event. So that should be good. So uh, register. There's only 20 days and whatever to go. Well, by the time you're watching this, by the time you're listening to this, less than 20 days to go. So get registered now. Yep, September 20, uh, 12th. September 12th yep. is when that is. So we've got some time. And also we'll probably be mentioning this in, in future shows as well. But, yeah, I'll be watching this as well. Make sure we cover all, all the, like, the key things that are going to get covered in the launch stuff. You know, We'll make sure we go through all those one by one and deep dive into them all. Um, and also if you go to the um, – you can't have uh, – you know, it's not RTM without a picture of some nerd standing – like outside a building going yay do <laughs> <laughs> tinyurl.com slash jzvs released uh, jason zander blogs about the uh, you know the rtm and uh, yeah it's you know it's a big i say a big emotional moment for us i think one of the things we're most happy with is just the quality of this release is so much higher than you know the quality of other not that releases. the past ones have been bad but <laughs> No, it's just it's all the way along. I think you found. I mean, if you've been following along with the CCPs and the betas and things, um, the whole way along, the the actual like the speed of the S and the quality of the features that are delivered, uh, it's just quite yeah. It's just a completely different ball game to how things have been in the past. And so, I actually feel like the quality of this RTM release is. As good, if not higher, than the quality of some of our like SP1 releases. You know what I mean? Right. It's really, really, really high quality. Um, and there's some, you know, hugely important stuff in there in terms of the modern UI applications for Windows 8, or um, uh, you know, develop, doing web development, developing for phone, developing for Azure, uh, and obviously all the ALM stuff as well. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a it's a big old release when you sit back and look again because we've been using a lot of this stuff for you know two years so or you know at least, at least a year so when you sit back and look at it all it's quite amazing i don't know how anyone i don't know how like you know listeners cope so we'll have to try and help cope and try and take each feature as it comes such a big product now it's pretty amazing yeah and the the, the from the outside seeing the the synchronization between Windows 8 and VS 2012 is, and .NET 4.5 
is the biggest thing because, you know, I've been watching it for a long time and I've been, you know, every time, even with Vista, there was a new OS and then we had to wait for a new version of Visual Studio to take advantage of it. And a lot of the times the .NET frameworks were not synchronized between the different versions. I think even, uh, you know, Windows 7 shipped with .NET 3.5 and, you know, 4.0 was on the horizon. This time, having, you know, the day the OS ships or it's available for download, we have a Visual Studio version that ships, that's targeted, you know, that helps you build applications for it. Now, given the jump that Windows 8 and the modern UI is, uh, you would kind of expect that, but you, you know, with Vista and WPF and all that good kind of stuff, it didn't happen then, whereas this time, you know, it's kind of the logical is the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But change. Uh, even you know it changes that which again you know you can imagine that's a pretty challenging thing to pull off that's yeah. two big organizations trying to synchronize well then there's also like trying to get the azure stuff synchronized as well <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, it's been um, and, and yet the quality of release feels higher than we've ever shipped before so um yeah i'm, I'm I think everyone's quite pleased so i don't know the proof's in the pudding though so get it installed try it and let me know uh, if your only complaint is that the menus are in uppercase. <laughs> Which now that we've seen the Office, you know, 2013 and, you know, Windows 8 shipping and, and now that, you know, because Visual Studio 2012, you know, Dev 11 at the time was so ahead of the other things, it stood out. I, I, I think the Caps controversy is going to be over soon. I think that's just something we're going to get get used to because we're seeing it across the Microsoft portfolio of desktop applications. So, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, Jason Andrews' post is great. There's like 12 different things in here. If you're looking for new stuff from the Azure to the phone, to the uh, agile practices, the new dashboards, to SharePoint, to, you know, IDE productivity features. If, if you're looking for a, uh, you know, a shopping list of what's new in VS2012.net 4.5, uh, Jason's post is a great one to go to. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, Scott Hanselman, the man, the myth, the other Scott has a series of uh, five-minute videos talking about, in more depth, as Scott does, um, about the different features in uh, Visual Studio 2012.NET 4.5, uh, from model binding to the HTML editor, the CSS editor, JavaScript editor, page inspector. Uh, you know, given the team that Scott's on, he's focusing more on the web stuff, uh, Signaler, WebSockets Async, OAuth. Um, EF5. There's there's a huge number of these short and sweet uh, videos to give you again a little bit more detail than um, uh, Jason's post did, and you can see this stuff in action from a guy who kind of knows it and is, is again on the inside. And you can get those at tinyurl sh as in Scott Henselman five videos. Now, uh, as well as obviously um, releasing Visual Studio 2012 and, and the .NET Framework 4.5, something that we've uh, done this time, um, no longer, you know, Reflect has gone the way Reflect has gone. 
no need to really fire up Reflector much anymore because um, you can actually get the source code for the .NET Framework uh, 4.5 libraries. So um, all, all available under a reference source license for the, the main source code. Uh, it's all downloadable and really helps You know, if you're trying to figure out why something's working the way it is. Um, I once had a problem with the the way environment variables were working in um, in the system dot environment dot process class or something like that. And when you actually go look in the code, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to figure that sort of thing out. So if you go to um, tinyurl dot com slash four five capital S source, um, and you'll be able to find out how to get that and how to actually um, debug through. So when you you know when you're stepping through your code in Visual Studio, be able to step through and uh, and step into the, the .NET Framework source code as well. Obviously, part elements of the, the .NET Framework, you know, things like the um, uh, the ASP.NET and, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff is actually not just um, source available, but, but actual proper open source projects as well, um, you know, parts of the framework. So you can go and have a look at those and actually contribute fixes to them if you want to as well. So um, that's pretty pretty cool stuff. So yeah, that's uh, tinyrail.com slash 45 source. Yeah, that's nice. And it's been a while. They did that in .NET 2 time frame, but we haven't seen, at least it hasn't been, you know, announced or, or uh, you know, celebrated the releasing of that reference source code. That's really neat, walking through the source from your code and, you know, into the .NET code itself. It was certainly never done as rapidly to the release as it was done this time around. Correct, correct, absolutely. So, something else to look at. You know, we've been talking about Visual Studio, and, and, and you know there's other SKUs. There's the premium SKU, uh, stock keeping unit. There's the uh, ultimate SKU. Uh, what's you know in those? You know, what's new and exciting in those? Uh, what is you know maybe you're new to those SKUs, or um, you know you're looking to sell your boss on an MSDN subscription to to get you know those SKUs. And again, we've got some a series of short videos. Uh, five minutes to two minutes to one minute, you know, uh, talking about what is in those SKUs, tiny URL, ultimate overview, one word, obviously. Um, as who was I listening to the other day? Uh, .NET Rocks. They're saying, you know, if I, have to, if I have to tell you there's no spaces, then you haven't been on the web long enough. You know, just, anyway, um, these videos, I'm looking at the list here. There is like... Uh, 40, 20-ish videos. And they go from visualizing the impact of a code change, coordinating with your team with agile project management, uh, testing user interfaces with coded UI tests, um, using the code review feature that's new, um, collecting and analyzing data in production. You guys all know with 2012, well, maybe you don't know, you do now, is that IntelliTrace can be deployed and utilized in production now. So you get all that cool goodness that came in 2010 and when we first saw IntelliTrace, but you could only use it in dev and QA. Now you can do it in production. So, and there's a, so there's a video here talking about that as well. The great thing about these is that I think the longest one's five minutes, the vast majority of them around the two-minute mark. So, you know, it's really nice little bite-sized things you can watch, follow along with, watch again, watch again, and then <laughs> to do it. And easily share. These are, you know, like kind of management-safe. 
Yeah, you, you can send them to your your management team, to your team lead, to your uh, uh, person, and, and you know they can watch it. It's not some you know hour long thing that the eyes will glaze over in the first three minutes. They're three minutes long, so they'll get all the the content. And I think that brings us to our uh, sponsor shout out for the show. Uh, episode forty six of Radio TFS is brought to you by SaaS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM Consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. That's www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email, sales at sasmadeeasy.com. And now back to the show. So one of the things that was just recently announced was, you know, we've, we, the, some of the new shiny, you guys all out there listening to it, you're all in the ALM space, you've all heard about distributed version control systems, you've all heard about Git, Git is the new shiny, and GitHub, and, and Git for Windows. Um, and you've heard us talk about you know local workspaces and how that's kind of, how the, the team is uh, 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 you know, responding to some of the features that are in distributed version controls that, that people like while sticking with the goodness that is TFS. Well, what if you were to like combine them? What if, what if I, I wanted an even closer integration with Git and Team Foundation servers? So, you know, if, if you want to use them both and be relatively, you know, uh, um, seamless, what would you do? Well, you would go to tinyurl tfsgit, that's tfsgit, and you'll see an announcement from Brian Keller, who we'll hopefully have on the show uh, where planning on next week or next show, uh, he's announcing Git-TF, which is combining the power of the local repository of Git with an integrated ALM of TFS. This is a, it's a cross-platform bridge. So it's, it's not like you are turning your TFS into a Git server, but it's a local bridge that allows you to um, you know, use your Git repository locally. And then when you're done, check in the code to TFS. So it's important probably to, um, one of our primary goals when we were looking at this, um, it was to enable people who want to use, you know, want to use Git locally. Mm-hmm. It's, but people talk about local workspaces, and some of the people have even said that like local workspaces in TFS 2012 is, is like DPCS. It, it isn't. It really, really, really isn't. It's more like subversion. You know, it's um, it's a way of it's a it's a way of being able to edit files and stuff locally. But you can't check in locally. You can edit files offline. You can you don't have checking out, to right. do, but you can't check in locally. You can't build up a set of changes locally. You can't branch locally. You can't you can't do a bunch of the kind of workflows that say um, a DVCS tool like a Mercurial or Git allows you to do. Um, but we like local workspaces. We think they're a very good way to run, and especially in the enterprise, they have a lot of advantages. You know, you can do path-based security, so you can you can set the security um, for individuals based on folders in source control. You know, you can. There's a bunch of features they have uh, that that a distributed version tools tool doesn't give you. However, people, some people don't want that. They, some people, especially say um, over in the cross-platform world, or um, if you're an Xcode developer, for uh, you. You don't get a TFS version control plugin into Xcode. I'd love to build one, 
but I can't because Apple won't let me because uh, they don't make that a pluggable, you know, third-party pluggable interface. So we only have the options they have there, and um, working in Git is a way a lot of iOS developers like. And so when we're looking at, uh, you know, how to help people who want to use Git locally for whatever reason but want to share their changes with um, a TFS repository, how do we enable that? This is how uh, Git TF happens. Now, another thing is worth mentioning as well, Git TF is like um, a Java implementation of, of, of a bridge, you know, um, helping you work in Git locally and then share changes with your team using TFS. There is a, another open source project called Git TFS, uh, which um, is a you know all written in .NET, uses a .NET object model, and that's a community project, um, and that's out there and still being actively developed by the the people working on it, um, and that's a, a good way to do it as well if you just if you're just using .NET stuff. But what we saw was a very uh, big gap for people working, say, in Xcode on the Mac, people working cross-platform and wanting to bridge into TFS. And so that's why we decided to create this, you know, this, uh, this Java version of, uh, um, being, uh, of being able to bridge the two and uh, being able to merge them. So the, the Xcode case was actually a primary scenario for this to try and do that. And we actually, um, one of my uh, guys on my team, a guy called Edward Thompson, uh, blogged about how to work with Xcode projects and Git TF over at tinyurl.com slash TFS Xcode Git, if you want to read more about that. Also, while we're covering Git TF, it's probably worth mentioning, um, you can, of course, use... You can't currently use Git TF with uh, TFS Preview. We really, 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 really wanted that to work when we shipped Git TF. We didn't quite get there. Uh, we may, we're going to make some changes over on the server side to make that possible, but um, we'll get there. Um, and so when um, it's important we do that in a secure way as well. So <laughs> soon, as soon as we have that available, uh, we'll, we'll switch that on and you know make sure the bits are released. So if you go to... Um, but you can use Git TF against uh, Coplex. And if you go to tinyurl.com slash Coplex Git, Mark Groves has an article um, all about that where he talks about how to do that. And it's basically you just use the standard TFS credentials, you know, your SND slash Coplex username underscore CP or whatever. So um, it's pretty easy. Now, I mentioned this GitTF thing. It's all written like this. Uh, again, this is, there's things like this which um, like don't surprise anyone in the team. But like quite surprised people <laughs> when we go. Oh yeah, we've shipped a bridge for Git TF and we wrote it in Java so that it worked well cross platform. People, you know, <laughs> you, you get a lot of what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? So yeah, that was um, that was important. That was vitally important to us. And so uh, Git TF is written in Java. Um, if you go to gittf.coplex.com, you can go look at the source code. You can go contribute fixes to it. It's all Java stuff, um, and it can do that because there's two excellent libraries for. Uh, one for Git in the JGit library, which is actually maintained over um, at the Eclipse Foundation, and JGit is contributed to, you know, by um, lots of guys over in Eclipse. Uh, lots of the, you know, the, the second in command of the Git project is in charge of JGit, things like that. You know, so there's, you know, GitHub and Google are all involved in that as well. So that's all cool. Um, and then there's also the library for TFS. Wouldn't it be great 
if we had a nice library for TFS for everybody to use that was written in Java, well, we do. <laughs> we did ship that for Team Explorer everywhere. We've always had that available. If you go to http colon slash slash tinyurl.com slash TFS Java SDK, you'll get the um, Team Foundation Server software development kit for Java, which is, again, a product that um, my team work on. And, um, yeah, it's not only the same code that we use to build Team Explorer everywhere and the cross-platform command line client, um, it's also the same. It's got a bunch of samples in showing you how to extend TE, showing you how to write code. And we actually, the way we do unit tests for certain API calls is by writing a snippet in the SDK. Mm-hmm. Um, and we our snippets as part of our unit testing stuff. And so we're not only testing our snippets are still working via the SDK, we're also using that to help test bits of API code when calling a real server. So that's quite cool. Nice. And it looks like, looking at that um, Java SDK download, that it's not just for uh, 2012, but it's for Visual Studio 2010 and even Visual Studio 2008. So if you've got those older versions, you can take advantage of this SDK. And if you if you call it right, you could get away with talking to a 2005 server, but you know you can make mistakes there. <laughs> it does, but um, yeah, it works. You know, it works. It's the same code we use, so it works all the way back to 2008. It just happens to be the version we ship with the RTM of of TE 2012. Yeah, I had to kind, uh, kind of laugh. I'm looking at all the different Java versions or runtimes that it support: the Sun Java, the Apple Java, the IBM Java, the HP Java. Like, wow, there's a lot of Javas. <laughs> Uh, because of that, we then work on this platform. Right. It's good. So one of the other announcements that Brian recently did, Brian Teller recently did, uh, in the past, uh, we had an interview, show number 37, we interviewed uh, Steve Borg, and he talked about Kanban, and he talked about what Kanban is and, and what it means and, and how to look at it. Well, uh, the team's just recently announced that you can now do Kanban for Team Foundation Server. Service. Foundation service. I always mess that up. Um, Brian's got a video, tinyurl.com, TFS Kanban. That's K A N B A N. And it's a short video, a uh, 10 minute video where they talk about the new Kanban board for the Team Foundation service. Um, and they give you a, you know, preview of how the cards look and there's a nice uh, user interface uh, web-based user interface for the cards because you know Kanban isn't uh, necessarily sprint based but you know work product based and you you can see it here without having a bunch of posties on the walls and that kind of stuff so um, and again it's all live it's on there and and that's one of the we we keep talking about it and uh, the benefits of the cloud-based solution is that they can you can see these things and they can roll them out quickly, you know, very iteratively, and so it's already there. And, and I'm sure, like you know, you've already said, Martin, that this will come to uh, on-premise solutions. But you know, you can play with it today. You don't have to wait for you know these to get rolled into an officially deployable package. You can start playing with Kanban today on tfspreview.com us doing build measure learn we get to ship something out there very quickly both the kanban stuff and git tf were all kind of started after we'd kind of were wrapping up on you know the rtm of of tfs 2012 so and yet you look at them we actually shipped them a couple of days before we shipped the rtm um so yeah it's all stuff we've developed we've got out there um the kanban stuff in particular it's you know well on git tf it's just the beginnings we're um 
carrying on developing them, carrying on iterating on them, and so we get to learn, get feedback from real people using the stuff and improve them and build on the features, and then bundle all that improved goodness into the uh, into the final product. You know, when we get there with the Kanban stuff, so it should be good. Absolutely. We- um, we're getting over about 40 minutes now into the show, so we probably should start um, wrapping up. Have you got any range of stuff you want to cover, Greg? You normally have the ranges of busy, busy boys. So yeah, yeah. Normally- Can't be a radio TFS if we don't talk about the ALM ranges. So really quickly, uh, yeah, the ALM ranges have been very busy. Uh, they've done a number of things. Uh, for instance, the new, uh, the final ALM VS Ranger TFS upgrade guide is available. You can get that that tiny URL TFS ALM upgrade. That's a guide you can get on Pl- CodePlex uh, that talks about what's new in the upgrade process, understanding the upgraded, the supported upgraded paths, and step by step instructions on how you can go from your existing TFS on premise installation to the 2012. Also updated are a bunch of they called it simu shipped. Oh, and by the way, uh, Jim, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. He was the one that uh, blogged about the TFS upgrade gra- the guide. Uh, Willie P is uh, blogged about um, the simu shipped uh, readiness solution guides. They've basically updated, you know. A bunch of the guides, from the planning guides to the coded UI, Word, Microsoft Word plugin, uh, test tooling guide, lab management guide, the quick reference guides. Those have all been updated as well. And you can see Willie P's uh, uh, post at tinyurl TFS ALM refresh. And not to be outdone, Mike Forey, or yeah. Uh, upgraded the build customization v2 guide and you can get that at tinyurl.com vs alm build guide v2 and again it's uh you know there's a number of different things in there what's new in team foundation build 2012 running unit tests uh the, the apis integrating with NuGet, integrating with azure sharepoint packages dynamic microsoft dynamics crm uh, doing click once with team foundation build um, that's all in this uh, V2 guide as well. And I, that's my TFS ALM Ranger update. Martin, do you got anything last? Just quickly, we need to run, but um, uh, Anthony Morton, who's a you know, very uh, active MVP down in Australia, um, pinged me. Uh, they've got a full range of courses, actually uh, globally, available on TFS 2012. Anthony did the accidental admin talk at TechEd Europe and TechEd EMEA, so, you know, this, this guy really knows his stuff. He's been around the community for a long, long time. So if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash ALM training TFS, um, it'll take you to, to Andy's post there about the courses available for TFS. And probably worth mentioning as well, I'll stick a link in the show notes. I'll just um, If you want, uh, for a limited time uh, right now, if you get there quick, the TechEd Europe guys have... Um, all the hands-on labs for TechEd are currently available online at Channel 9. So I'll stick a link into that after the end of the show. Um, but you can go along to Channel 9 and um, access virtual machines with all the training courses. So, yeah, there we go. That's probably it. So, I think, Greg, we've covered a lot of news there. Uh, next uh, show, we're going to be hopefully chatting with Brian Keller. And uh, we'll, we'll nice interview show there. The man that produces the VMs <laughs> 
Is amongst other things, so uh, we'll we'll do that. But um, we should probably call it a day. I think so. And if anybody has any questions or would like to give us some feedback or would like us to ask Brian some specific questions, please uh, send us an email at radiotfs at gmail dot com, or you can give us a voicemail at one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. I think that's a show. 